Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. I'd like to thank you for joining us today. And in a very few programs, we caution parents that have younger children present that this might be a little bit more of an adult topic. We try to be very circumspect even when we're discussing adult topics, but I want to give you a heads up at the beginning of the broadcast. Today we're going to be talking about a new threat against the healing and hope for teens and young men experiencing same-sex attraction. You know, in the past, I have warned that in the road ahead, there's going to be fines, job losses, professional certification denials, and yes, eventually imprisonment awaiting those who offer therapy for youth voluntarily seeking change from a same-sex attraction. I've even predicted the banning of information on reparative therapy. That's why I urged you to buy copies of Dr. Nicolosi's book for parents preventing homosexuality because someday it would be banned. And I know some people listening now, as well as some people listening in the past, it's Steve. Come on, that's over the top. This is America. Well, guess what has happened since I've made those predictions? Ten states have already outlawed sexual orientation change efforts for minors. This is also called reparative therapy. And now states are including therapy to heal gender identity expressions right along with reparative therapy. Now, here are the states, and listen, because it's coming to a place near where you live. It started in California, the first to ban reparative therapy, followed by New Jersey. By the way, the law was signed by a Republican governor who wanted to be president of the United States. Then Oregon, Illinois, Vermont, New Mexico, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Nevada, Washington State, and Washington, D.C. And not only that, 36 cities and municipalities around the country have banned voluntary reparative therapy for minors. In other words, these cities and the municipalities, some of which couldn't wait for their state to ban it, so they went ahead and made sure it wouldn't come to a city in which they live. Right now, there are 14 bills in state legislatures, and here's that list. Arizona, Idaho, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Massachusetts, Minnesota. Minnesota, Michigan, Missouri, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Texas, and West Virginia. Folks, this is spreading pretty fast. In a recent poll, only 8% of the American public think therapy could change a person's sexual orientation. You see, the schools and the universities and the social media and the broadcast media have done their brainwashing work. In a Florida poll, 71% of Florida residents supported banning conversion therapy. I like Florida. I lived in Florida for decades, and yet only 11% of Floridians opposed banning reparative therapy. 18% were unsure, but basically the public has been brainwashed. And now we come to the new threat against healing and hope for young men struggling with same-sex attraction. California, again leading the way in our cultural descent, has in process, as I speak, 
a new comprehensive ban on books, advertisements for counselors offering reparative therapy, and those advertisements either written or oral, anything that would publicly promote reparative therapy would be labeled as a fraudulent practice. That might even be this broadcast. Now, I have publicly warned in the past on Catholic Radio that this was coming. And now, in California, the seed of intolerance against reparative therapy is being planted and will spread faster across the nation than springtime weeds. That California bill, AB 2943, has support from the American Psychiatric Association, American Academy of Pediatrics, American Medical Association on Scientific Affairs, and the American School Counselors Association. Wow. All right. Now, where's the army opposing this? You know, it's interesting. Some good Christian organizations that led the way in supporting reparative therapy now seem scared of their own shadow and are backpedaling as fast as they can to prevent the secular media from identifying them with supporting reparative therapy. In other words, there's only one message being promoted, and that message is that this is harmful, this is impossible, and it needs to be banned. Now, where did reparative therapy come from? A Dr. Joseph Nicolosi, who just passed away about a year or so ago, pioneered therapy for men and women seeking to minimize or even overcome their same-sex attraction. I first interviewed Dr. Nicolosi on Faith and Family Radio way back in 2003. I believe it was the first interview in all of Catholic media with Dr. Nicolosi. He was not getting a whole lot of support from parts of the Catholic Church in the United States he should be getting support from. I realized, and some other folks realized, how important he was to what parents are facing with their children and college-age children coming out and say, Mom, Dad, I'm gay. And so I tried to get Dr. Nicolosi to fly to EWTN and join me in taping some episodes of a series I did entitled The Carpenter Shop. But Dr. Nicolosi, besides having a busy practice himself helping people with same-sex attraction, was trying to train other psychologists in this therapy so that there would be many others who could perform this. So he declined my begging him to come to Alabama. So A very generous supporter of the Family Life Center paid for a professional film crew and myself to fly to Dr. Nicolosi's office in California. Very interesting, even when you came in and before you could actually get in the building, he had been basically hammered and invaded, so to speak, by homosexual activists. And even though I said I was coming from EWTN and I was a faithful Catholic and with faith and family, What happened is that people would come in pretending they were supportive of him and then disrupt his office and say all kinds of bad things about him. So he really gave me the work over, make sure I was really who I said I was. But that interview, EWTN, in fact, you might contact EWTN and ask them to re-air those interviews because as far as I know, this is the only TV interviews done for Catholic media. But Dr. Nicolosi has performed a real service for parents because there is 
hope and healing for those with same-sex attraction. Now, as you probably heard me a hundred times, there's a, uh, a seesaw balance on so many issues. And in fact, I saw a Catholic film kind of criticizing some Protestant Pentecostals praying over some people suffering from same-sex attraction. And in their mind, there's kind of a 100% cure, whatever. If you just had enough faith, you would just overcome through prayer a same-sex attraction. And many Catholics would be denigrating such prayers. But, you know, we should never denigrate prayer. But on the other hand, the 100% healing for some faith healers, that if you're not healed, it's your fault, you don't have enough faith, that's off balance. But we want to stay in balance. And so we do want prayer and support and encouragement for those with same-sex attraction. Now, Dr. Nicolosi always would say you can't guarantee totally overcoming same-sex attraction. Many do, in fact, change, and I realize that is so vigorously denied because one of the main claims of the homosexual movement is that this is genetically based and you're a hater and a bigot for opposing something that can't, in fact, change. But Dr. Nicolosi said and demonstrated through his therapy that many, in fact, do change and that change is possible. I have an article here from LifeSite News. And by the way, you need to be exceedingly careful where you get your information from, parents. You just be very careful where you get your information. LifeSite News is one of those places you can get reliable information on life, marriage, sexuality, the Catholic faith. And this is an article entitled, The Foremost United Kingdom Gay Activist Admits There is No Gay Gene. And this is from Peter Tatchell. He's the leader of a British activist group called Outrage, and he specializes in media stunts such as disrupting Christian religious services. So, I mean, he's definitely an activist activist. And he wrote this, quote, genes and hormones may predispose a person to one sexuality rather than the other, but that's all. Predisposition and determination are two different things. And he even went as far as to acknowledge that some have actually changed their sexual orientation. And if they change their orientation, how could it be genetic? And this is, again, from a leading United Kingdom gay activist, leader of outrage. Now, you could pretty much get the idea that homosexual practice could become a thing of the past in the sense that living a chaste life by simply opening the pages to the New Testament. In St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, and remember Corinth was sin city of the ancient world. It was the city of sexual immorality. It was a sailor's town. And here comes Catholicism in the midst of it. And here's what St. Paul reminds these early Catholics. He says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. 
neither the sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And now, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Catholics sometimes aren't getting that seesaw balanced because recovering a chaste life is possible because we find the very first Catholics in the worst cultural setting imaginable, St. Paul could write in the past tense, such were some of you. And the cleansing, the sanctifying, the justifying by Jesus and the Spirit of God brought forth a new life. Now that was first century. Right after the year 2000, I think it was in the year 2001, I had the honor of interviewing here on Faith and Family Radio, Father Harvey, who is the founder of Courage and Catholic outreach to those who are seeking to overcome same-sex attraction. And let's listen to just a short clip from that interview I did with Father Harvey. And when we're done, I have a really important word for parents of teenagers and 20-somethings suffering from same-sex attraction. Let's listen to Father Harvey. Generally, get two kinds of cases. One is of a teenager saying, I'm gay. The second is of an They have a son or daughter who's already in the lifestyle who is between the ages of 25 and 45. Okay. Now, let's treat them separately because they're two distinct categories, okay? Okay. Parents need to be very aware of this. Uh, Yes, yes, they do. The age factor is very important. First of all, the literature on the subject, there's a book put out years ago in which the author, Ruth Tiffany Barnhouse, says that you really cannot make an accurate analysis of a teenager as being homosexual, even if they have inclinations at that time. It's not really cut in stone at this particular moment. Maybe it'll change even before they're 21. Uh, So to accept the teenager's statement, I am gay, you can accept it, that's what they're saying, but it may not be so, really, because they don't know themselves that well. I've seen many instances of teenagers who claim to be homosexual, and a few years later, they have gotten rid of it, and they're preparing for marriage. That, that brings up the point, too, that very probably, from the point of view of help, first of all, the teenager needs to learn how to be chaste. The first step, if he hopes to come out of the condition at all, is to stop the activity. Not only stop the activity, but purify his mind of it. Purify his fantasies. Get rid of all that stuff. That's the first step. Now, our primary purpose of courage is not to bring people out of the condition. As you well know, our primary purpose is to teach people how to be chaste, whether they're teenagers or whether they're adults. But we're dealing with a parent now, and the parent has the idea that if he goes to a therapist, maybe the therapist can fix it. Fix it. He can change him. And that's a very poor reasoning. Good therapists who are trying to help people to come out of the condition make it very clear that it is a long process. It doesn't happen overnight, if at all. In other words, we have to be very careful not to make false promises to people that there's a therapist who'll bring them out of the condition. The best we can say is that with learning to be chaste, with prayer, with group support, with sound therapy, 
the chances of a younger person coming out of the condition are about one chance out of two. For older people, adults past the age of 30, roughly speaking, that's very arbitrary, we would say one chance out of three. So we have to recognize what we know so far about that from an empirical point of view. Please notice how Father Harvey made a very distinct age separation in the outcomes and the struggles for helping those with same-sex attraction getting over it. He put in group number one, uh, teenagers and those to, say, age 25. And then in a second group, he put those age 25 to 45. And he's basically saying that uh, change is a long process. You don't make false promises, but that there can be this substantial change to a, a, a chase life in one out of two teenagers and maybe young 20-year-olds, and one out of three for those aged 25 to 45. Now, just through personal observation, reading, and experience in trying to listen to those helping people in this area, and I think it was from Dr. Nicolosi, once you're over 30, it can get very tough. It's not that people don't change over 30. They do. It's just more difficult. But today, I'm primarily speaking to parents who have teenagers or perhaps a college-age student who comes out and says, Mom and Dad, I'm gay. So you are in the first group, and the younger your son or daughter is when you seek therapy for same-sex attraction, the more they have a likelihood of actually living a chaste life and perhaps even overcoming, again, no guarantees, that same-sex attraction. Now, reparative therapy, at least the reliable ones, and this is what Dr. Nicolosi was promoting, and by the way, he did train successors who are functioning. Unfortunately, they can't function in California, so I think they have a co-office now in Texas, but Texas is now banning reparative therapy, so I don't know what is going to happen. And remember, now starting in California, they want to even ban the mention of this, ban books encouraging this, even ban oral encouragements to buy the book or get the therapy like I'm trying to do right now. This is voluntary reparative therapy. And so parents, just real clear here, what you want to do, one, get educated, and two, get qualified, experienced help, and don't wait Forever. You know, for alcoholism in a family, the denial can go on for about seven years till the family comes to the point that like saying, yeah, there's definitely an alcohol problem and we need help. And it generally takes another two years, nine years total before help is sought. Now, if you're dealing with an 18-year-old who comes and says, mom and dad, I'm gay, and you wait like families do for alcoholism, you're putting your son or your daughter in the category where it gets incredibly difficult to overcome. The personality is actually quite flexible while it's younger. In fact, Dr. Nicolosi would call a young person who is struggling with same-sex addiction, he would call it gender identity disorder or gender identity confusion. And this would also apply to the whole transgender thing that's going on right now, because a young person is still very much 
fluid. There's a lot of things still going on that we don't know. Is is this something temporary? Is this something deep-seated? Is this something through therapy, uh, family assistance, and spiritual assistance that can be overcome? Now, I'm going to give you three good sources to get started. And just remember, the move is on. And if you noticed, some of these big social media sites and search engine sites are beginning to censor content on the internet. And this isn't a subject for debate. If you believe in reparative therapy, like I'm encouraging moms and dads today, well, then you're a hater. You're ignorant. You're a bigot. And there are some people who have no compulsion for fines or whatever for anybody promoting this. So when I'm telling you this information is there, I would urge you to get a hold of this information. And you may say, well, I don't need it. Well, your grandchildren may need it. Your neighbor might need it. Somebody in your parish may need it. And they are not going to get this information by watching 60 Minutes on Sunday night. They're going to have to get it from person to person. I have personally witnessed somebody who, as far as I know, had no practice of the Christian faith when they encountered this information was available, stayed up the entire night reading Dr. Nicolosi's book and then FedExed it to a family member as fast as FedEx could deliver a book. And so there's a need for this and the, and the knowledge isn't out there. So I'm going to give you three resources that are fairly easy to digest. The number one resource is from the Catholic Medical Association. I hate to say this, but anything that says Catholic, just don't trust it. You need to have trustworthy Catholic resources. And the Catholic Medical Association is one of those trustworthy resources. Their website is cathmed.org. And the document you want is entitled Homosexuality and Hope. And you can email us anytime at askthehost at gmail.com in case you are driving and can't write this down. But if you simply Google Homosexuality and Hope Catholic Medical Association, you'll get an invaluable three-page document. This is something that everybody should have, and I urge you to download it as a PDF, store it on your computer. Because when you go back, when your neighbor needs this, when your grandchildren need this, it may not be there. It may be blocked. Listen to me. And you're talking to somebody who said years ago, this information is going to be banned. Already the counseling is banned in several states. Several more states are about to ban it. And now California is banning even the information. So get this. In this they have a simple handout that answers the the 10 most frequently asked questions based on the latest scientific research coupled with the wisdom of the Catholic Church. And they said the good news is that same-sex attraction is preventable and treatable. And here's one of the biggies, is same-sex attraction determined before birth? And they say, no, there's no gay gene, but then comes the big question. If it's not genetically determined, then what is the cause? And that's really the $64,000 question. And it's not simple, okay? It isn't simple. And they give 10 potential causes. This is why I said get educated and get experienced help, knowledgeable experienced help, because It could be any combination 
of these 10 things. It could be one thing. It could be three. But just let me give you a selection. Number one, a failure of secure parent-child attachment in early childhood. I was listening to a Christian broadcast just this past week, and a stepfather called in who became a stepfather of a boy uh, when he was very young, and now 15 years later, he's come out as a homosexual. And the broadcast hope said, you know, love your son, which is good advice and everything else, but never mentioned the fact that this boy was detached in childhood from his biological father could have had anything to do with his coming out as a homosexual. In males, a poor father-son relationship, a dominating, controlling mother. Females have a different perspective, and they list these here. Uh, Lack of male peer acceptance, not having strong boyhood friends, or perhaps weak eye-hand coordination, so they're really not acceptance through sports, maybe a history of bullying or child abuse. And I'm just giving you a scattering of these 10 things. But again, homosexuality and hope from the Catholic Medical Association. So they list the latest research, and by the way, this has been updated in 2010, of the causes and then how it can be prevented, warning signs for parents. Now here's the biggie. What happens to a child or a teen if this gender identity disorder is left untreated? Hear this. This is the reason behind the bans. This is the reason they want to fine, make criminals out of those seeking to help these young people. Listen carefully. 75% of the children with gender identity disorder will go on to develop the full-blown same-sex attractions. You see what's going on here? This can be prevented. This can be reversed. This can be helped. A chaste life can be recovered. But if you just let it go on, so you want to know what these warning signs are, again, cathmed.org, homosexuality and hope, okay? And just be aware, there's a leading Catholic document advising parents of children with noticeable gender identity disorder that their recommended advice is to do nothing. That is so toxic, so wrong, so twisted that, again, you want to get the reliable information from the Catholic Medical Association. Number two is very simple. Get a copy of Dr. Nicolosi's book while you can. It's entitled A Parent's Guide to Preventing homosexuality, parents and grandparents, get a copy now. You'll be able to pass it on to neighbors, to friends, folks in your parish. And then third, join us in the next two Faith and Family broadcasts. I'll re-air my first radio interview with Dr. Nicolosi, and then I'm going to close this three-part series with the most important broadcast that was nearly totally ignored by my listeners, but I want you to hear it again. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 193 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org.